Hey friends, today's sponsor is one that I'm super familiar with and I've personally worked with them and partnered in launching over a dozen campuses. Also, I'm super quick to refer to them to other churches because you know what? I love the work they do and more importantly, I love the way they care for church leaders like you. My friends over at Portable Church Industries sell entire audiovisual lighting, kids, community, storage system to help churches that, that are meeting in a rented venue. Uh, what they truly provide you with is a crafted approach that's custom fit to exactly what you need that will increase guest en engagement, uh, increase your volunteer retention, and a system that makes it easy for you to launch multiple locations uh, year after year after year. Listen, this is a critical piece of the whole multi-site piece of the equation. Uh, if you're portable and you're, and you're thinking about going portable, which we know you are, if you're uh, launching out, we, I want you to check them out. Launching portably allows you to launch fast and low cost. The team at Portable Church wants to make it sustainable and fun for you. Go to my special partner page at portablechurch.com forward slash unseminary. That's portablechurch.com forward slash unseminary to learn more and to find resources tailored fit to you uh, as you're thinking about launching portable multiple campuses. All right, let's jump in with today's episode. Let's go. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. Are you looking for practical ministry help to drive your ministry further, faster? Have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of others in pursuit of stuff that we wish they had taught in seminary. Buckle up and let's get started with this week's Unseminary Podcast. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. So glad that you've decided to tune in today. Uh, today's episode is going to be super practical, excited to dive in uh, and really help you. This is one of those areas where if we don't maintain it well, we could step on a landmine. And on the other end of the spectrum, it's a real opportunity for us to push our churches forward to do kind of great things. Uh, so it's not just about kind of protecting. It's also about pushing the ministry forward. Super excited to have Tiffany Henning with us. She is from an organization called HR Ministry Solutions, a fantastic organization that helps churches like yours. Uh, really deal with the whole human resources side of the equation. Tiffany, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Well, I'm going to try to uh, get, to, well, first of all, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, give us a, kind of a little bit of the story of the HR Ministry Solutions, give us a sense of kind of what you do. Absolutely. Um, my organization is actually a religious nonprofit, and we founded it in about 2016, and pretty much it stemmed out of my own personal experience of being in ministry for about 12 plus years, and also being in corporate HR as well as church HR, and seeing this huge just gap, the huge gap gap of um, and the issues just with church burnout and church hurt and sometimes churches doing things a little wonky, not because they mean to intentionally do it that, but they just don't know what they don't know. And mm. so there's a lot of unintentional things that happen just because sometimes we get so scared of the word HR, human resources, and we think it's, you know, very corporate. And so we don't want to touch it with a 10 foot pole. But really, if anything, we're just resourcing our humans, <laughs> which are yeah, our totally. biggest resource and churches. So this really stemmed out of that to really help churches um, be passionate about protecting and providing their staff and for us giving them resources for, you know, staff handbooks and policies and um, coaching guidelines and, you know, death of the performance evaluation and the annual performance mm. evaluation, just all of those things that, you know, are just popping up in the news more and more rapidly now. And our hope is just to come alongside churches and work with them um, in these areas. Nice. That's fantastic. So I, I'm going to, 
you know, listeners, as you're listening in, Tiffany is an expert in this area. She really knows what she's talking about. And I want to try to leverage that. What are the things, I'm sure as you interact with churches, there's maybe a handful of things, kind of areas in HR that we often find ourselves struggling with. Um, why don't we talk through a few of those? What would be one that, you know, hey, churches struggle with, or they're maybe not, um, you know, they, they kind of either come to you with pain or you see them, you know, maybe doing some things like, oh, we probably shouldn't be doing that. What, uh, what would be those things? <laughs> well, honestly, a lot of our clients come through compliance pains. You know, we mm. don't know if we're paying, you know, correctly, salary, minimum wage. We don't know if we have our 1099 contractors classified correctly. Uh, we need a staff handbook. We need training. We need, you know, an audit because, again, we don't know what we don't know. That type mm. of thing. That's usually the pain that drives them here. But I'm all about changing the focus of not just looking at the nitty gritty compliance, which is absolutely important, but looking at the why we want to do that mm. compliance and taking mm. the next step and the next level of looking at the bigger picture when it comes to culture and communication and coaching and and just really changing again, like I said, this this just horrific thing that goes on in ministry of us just kind of burning out and, um, you know, not doing the best for our ministry people as we really could do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it seems like this is the, the thing that's fascinating to me about this area is um, there is it's that dichotomy on one side, there's like compliance stuff that could get us into this conversation, which, which really is just table stakes. That's just the like, you have to do these things or you're or you're breaking the law, totally. which is not, not a great, like, you know, <laughs> uh, no one, it's not a very inspiring, like, well, what's your work environment like? Well, I can tell you that we don't break the law. Like, you know, <laughs> that's just not great. But then it really has this huge opportunity uh, to really push the mission forward. Like you're saying, like, hey, what are we doing to try to help churches get better in how they manage their people? Um, lots of times, I know we've got a lot of executive pastors that are listening in and a lot of churches, 50% of their budget or close to 50% of their budget yes. is, uh, is their staff. And so even just being great stewards of that, how can we, uh, you know, leverage that? Well, what would be, uh, maybe, why don't we start on the compliance side? Give us, uh, maybe pull that apart a little bit. What would be a couple examples of common areas that we should be thinking about, um, you know, compliance related issues in the church? Um, you know, again, it just goes back to um, making sure you have a solid foundation. The staff handbook really is the start of that. And I run into a lot of churches, sometimes they're small, sometimes they've just been going on forever, and they just gradually got bigger and bigger, and never paid attention to their staff handbook or paid attention to their policies. So by the time I come in, there may be 35 employees, but everyone has a different vacation time, you know, thing that right, they do. Right. Everyone has different sick time. Some people don't know what benefits they get and don't get. So really just churches thinking through and being intentional about um, those things, you know, from a compliance issue, a staff handbook definitely protects you a lot more when it has things like policies, sexual harassment policies, and other things like that. Um, like I said, that's probably one of the biggest compliance things. And as I mentioned, the other thing, we have a new overtime, federal overtime, that a lot of churches are like, well, I don't really need to follow that. And yes, you really kind of do, you know. And so there's this whole confusion about what churches have to follow and what churches don't. Right. Okay. So, and on the, I know on the kind of staff handbook, the, um, that that's, that's actually an area where you help with churches. I know we were talking earlier about that often that, you know, that's an area where, 
um, a lot of leaders can say like, gosh, it's just such a drag to pull that kind of thing together. But you actually will step in and help them with that. What does that typically look like? Well, you know, a lot of times is, uh, you know, when they say, hey, we want to get a staff handbook, we get that all set up, I send them a questionnaire for them to go through that answers all the questions that we really need to make the staff handbook. However, with that being said, I don't just go, okay, here's here's this questionnaire, go free, is I really say, hey, let's, you know, if you need me to, some some of them don't, but I'm like, if you need me to, let's walk through it together. Let's talk through it together. Mm-hmm. Let's look oh, at your cool. vacation time. Let's figure out best practices for, for how you guys currently have things. And so again, it gives us a platform to start those conversations about how they can really make things more generous, how th- there's a lot of benefits and other things as churches and organizations we can do that don't really cost us more, but are a huge benefit to our staff and high level leaders in regards to that. So, you know, they give us a questionnaire, we make it, and then I go through or one of my senior HR advisors go through and just really go through line by line to make sure that it's customized to what we understood that you were looking for. And then at that point, it's a lot of back and forth for a month or two, sometimes three, just because, you know, everyone and their brother has to prove <laughs> everything, yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you know, There's in regards in to it. But Again, it's to us, it's not just having a compliant thing that you're going to shove on a shelf, but really a living document that helps guide you in how you are going to uh, bring on new employees, how you're going to, you know, compensate your employees, how your leave policies, all of those things. That way you don't have to think about them and make them up as you go along. Yeah, that's great. I love this. Uh, you know, you flagged it there. I, I wonder, sometimes these kind of manuals can feel like our handbooks can be the kind of thing that it does feel like it just gets kind of uh, written and then put on a shelf and then we don't think about it. What are some best practices for keeping that in front of our people to kind of keep that information out in front? So it's a tool to actually push the culture forward. Uh, what are you seeing that's working well in churches? Um, you know, <laughs> Actually, ironically, some churches will put little Easter eggs in their staff handbook and reward ah. people for finding them, you know, or, or whatever, and have little gift cards and stuff just to make it a little bit oh, more fun. fun. But some of it is boilerplate, and we totally understand that. There's actually a new trend that's emerging that we've really jumped on, which is staff culture books. And they hmm. they go alongside staff handbooks. They're not in place of staff handbooks. But what they do is really pull out that more specific things that your staff wants to know their vacation time, the the leaves. They want to know, you know, how do I dress when I come to work? What is the office environment like? You know, what are the office hours like? Um, you know, what are your core values as staff? Where are there places nearby that I can eat? You know, if I'm sick, mm. what do I do? Um, what are some words on the wall or what is some phrases you guys love to use, you know, it helps them learn the language. It helps them learn the culture of the organization. And they're a lot shorter. They're usually about 15, you know, to 20 pages. They're fun. They look more like a PowerPoint slide or some just really graphically, um, you know, uh, designed item. If you go look at some of the bigger organizations like Amazon, Google, uh, Zappos is a really good one. They all have culture books and you can look at their culture books. And I think this is a great way to um, kind of bring a little bit more right in front of your staff's face to really pull out those things that are just non-negotiables when it comes to them knowing and them learning. And as well for them to just start off on the right foot and not always have to learn everything while you go along. As we all know, every organization has its own language. <laughs> mm, totally, totally. 
Yeah, so I actually, uh, one of the ones, uh, if you're looking, uh, dear listener, for something out there, I've pointed multiple people to. Um, Netflix actually has their kind of staff culture thing just out there on the web. Um, they have, and you, it's kind of interesting because you can see multiple iterations of it. It's as it's kind of evolved over time. Uh, but there's good stuff in there that can really give you a sense. Again, trying to articulate. Uh, we're trying to make explicit those things that are implicit about our our staff and how we get people to work together. Um, that could be another example. I love that. I love that there's churches that are out there that are, um, you know, that are trying to take that step in the way they engage with their team. That's really cool. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm going to throw in that there are some churches, but not every church. There are some churches that are really looking uh, very deliberately and intentionally about how to engage the next generation of workers. And honestly, all churches need to be doing that because they are the future mm. and the future is now. You know, we need to look at the 20-somethings and go, how do we engage them? How do we attract them because what was important 20 years ago is not important now. So we need to kind of rethink how we do our workplace, how we do our staff engagement and our, you know, compensation, everything that goes along with that. And culture is a huge, huge piece of it. Yeah. Why don't we kind of shift to that end of the spectrum? So we've talked a little bit about the you know, the, just the compliance stuff and the things we need to do, obviously the handbooks start to bridge beyond that. But then what are some of those kind of best practices or things that we should be really looking to implement? Again, think about the average church you end up engaging with uh, and they're coming to you saying like, hey, we're, we really like to step up our culture. We want to uh, really take this to the next level. What would be a few of those things that we should be thinking about to kind of increase our culture to, um, you know, improve the culture, make this the kind of place, you know, this is like the best place that someone's ever worked that kind of uh, thing. What are some of those things we should be thinking about? You know, that's a great question. And, um, you know, there's a lot of things I could say, but I really stick to the C's, um, which is like coaching, conflict resolution, communication. Those are the key ones, really. Um, mm. Coaching, which is really taking place, even in corporate America, has really taken place of the annual performance evaluation. Because, mm-hmm. you know, as humans, just in general, but especially in the church world, we just want to be nice. We don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. So we have a hard time having those hard conversations with people when maybe they're not cutting it or maybe they're doing something that's not, mm. you know, moving the the organization forward. But we hate having those conversations. So we wait until the annual evaluation to have the conversation. And by then it could be 10, 11 months, whatever. <laughs> and, uh, you mm. know, as opposed to the new kind of shift is this, this regular ongoing coaching, you know, touch points, being intentional about it. A lot of organizations organizations say, oh, we do that organically, which is great, but how do you know? Mm. And how do you know that it's Mm -hmm. effective? And so that is a key piece, just being constantly in communication on a weekly, monthly, quarterly, and annual basis with the people underneath you. Um, The other piece is communication. Um, let's stop. Let's, before we jump on a communication, oh, yeah. let's, let's dig into the coaching thing a little bit. Um, so you talked a little bit about the rhythm there of like a weekly, monthly, quarterly, give us a sense of what kind of best practices are on that, on those fronts. What should we be thinking about as we're, you know, kind of trying to structure it with our team, uh, what good kind of positive, healthy coaching relationships look like? No, absolutely. And I think you and I, Rich have talked previously about 15, five, which I think is yeah. a great program. It's not financially, uh, feasible for everyone. Cause it is a little bit more on the cost 
costly side, but I think at least looking at their program and seeing what they offer will give people a good idea, which is really on a weekly basis, just having three to five questions that you check in with your employees. Like, you know, what did you work on last week? What are you going to work on this week? You know, what struggles are you having and how can I help you with those struggles? And, you know, just personally, how you doing on a scale from one to five or one to 10 or whatever, and having those 10 to 15 minute conversations about those things. That way, if any issues are coming up, you're knowing about it right away and you're helping to coach them through it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so that's what the weekly meetings look like. The The monthly would be more of your goals, kind of looking over your goals. Well, how are you getting to your goals? You know, the SMART goals that are very specific and measurable. How are you doing on them? Do we need to shift the SMART goal? a bit? Do we need to change it up? Do we need to have a different one, you know, and Mm -hmm. having those regular conversations and the same thing with quarterly and annually, those are just kind of, you know, a little longer and a little deeper um, when it comes to, you know, the goal setting and everything that goes along with it. Yeah, I love that. I love the, um, yeah, so 15.5 is a great tool and I echo that it's not cheap, but it's a, you know, it's a weekly check-in process that they've kind of built a whole bunch of other stuff around it. They call it a, a performance management system. And, um, so actually Fridays is the day in my organization that I receive those. And so it's a rhythm in my life to be constantly kind of giving feedback and then also drilling through with my direct reports to what their direct reports are saying to them. It's an interesting uh, way to get, to even help coach my leaders to like, Hey, there may be something with this particular staff member. Did you see that on that, their, their report? Um, you know, the, the idea of, uh, even regular one-on-ones, it's amazing how, you know, I've bumped into church leaders who that isn't a part of their process. And I'm like, well, how do you lead? (laughs) How do you, how do you help people take steps forward and, you know, finding ways to coach incredibly important. Now you said communication was the next piece. I'd love to hear a little bit about that. What are some best practices? It seems like all the, or not all the time. It seems like when I hear that staff members are not happy or are feeling disconnected, frankly, what it comes down to is them saying, I just feel out of the loop. I don't feel like I know what's going on uh, in the organization. What's some best practice we should be thinking about on that front? You know, and it actually ties perfectly into the last one coaching, because rarely have I walked into an organization where they meet with their staff on a weekly, regular basis, where they say, I don't feel like I'm being communicated enough. You know, generally, it's organizations that are not meeting weekly with their staff that are not meeting on a regular basis, or it's not a priority. You know, whenever something comes up, you cancel that staff meeting, or you're more likely to go out with a congregation member than a staff person. But you have to remember those staff people help us to multiply ourselves in work. We can't do it all. And so that's why you have to pour into those staff people. A lot of communication is, you know, you'll get the whole upper level, lower level things where the executives are making decisions, you know, out to dinner at night or something like that. And, and, you know, sometimes they'll come on Monday morning, okay, we're changing our whole direction, you know? Mm -hmm. And so really Mm -hmm. just being intentional about um, communicating and when you're communicating, how you're communicating and how you're rolling it out. I've worked with organizations where the staff found out about a huge new initiative on Sunday morning, along with the entire oh, congregation. So, oh. you know, it's, and it's, I again, wish that wasn't common. I, no. I wish that wasn't common, but I do hear that quite a bit. Oh, yeah. There is this idea of like the lead pastor making policy or setting direction from the pulpit. <laughs> Yes. And we're like, oh, I didn't realize we're doing that now. Yes. Yes. You know, and it's so true. And it's no one is being malicious. You know, they're excited. It is just 
all about intentionality, especially with the coaching and the communication. We have to stop. We get excited about things, but we have to stop and think, okay, who are we going to tell next? What pieces are we going to tell them and how are we going to phrase it? Because your staff people are your ambassadors. And if you're, if it's a touchy subject, you give them talking points. You give them um, things that they could say to other people or when the congregation come to question them. You know, a lot of people are like, well, I'm afraid it'll just get out virally. And I'm like, well, you really need to have those conversations with your staff uh, so that they understand what the confidentiality levels are and they understand how it's going to be communicated out so that they could be on the bandwagon with everybody else. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's amazing how disciplining your organization to slow down and cascade information from, you know, the you kind of who needs to know out to broader and broader circles. I, you know, I've often said internally that uh, there are there are things that we want to make sure are, are like the worst kept secret by the time we talk about them publicly. Right? Where it's like, you know, we're hoping 50, 60 percent of the people in our church know about it before we even talk about it publicly um, because we, you know, it's that important to us. You know, it's we don't we, we don't want to make sure we want to make sure that we don't leave anyone out. Uh, in that process. Now you'd also said conflict resolution. Now I know there's lots of church leaders are listening in together. They're like, well, we never have conflict at our church, but, oh but there may be a few. <laughs> you <laughs> do obviously tongue do. in cheek. Uh, um, obviously tongue in cheek. It happens all the time. But what, what are some kind of best practices we should be thinking about on the conflict side? You know what is to address it immediately. Yes, you could be grace filled, but Christ calls us to speak truth in love. And um, again, this new generation of worker is all about communication. They're all about transparency and they're all about authenticity. So that has to be key. So conflict resolution, again, Christians, we do not like conflict. And any high level leader that says we don't have conflict, it's probably because you're not in the trenches. You know, you need to look to see, I, I mean, if your staff's four or five people, yeah, you probably have a good finger of what's going on. But, you know, with bigger staff, it may not come up to you. There may be people who don't get along and, um, you know, they're doing a little tit for tat going on there. And, and um, you know, a lot of times it's like two children fighting. You're like, okay, just everybody go to the rooms and just don't talk to each other, you know, but you we really, corner. <laughs> yeah. And again, attentionality, we really need to get them in the same room. We really need to walk through it and come up with resolutions that everybody's mm -hmm. fine with. And to be honest, half the time, probably more than half the time when there is a conflict, it's usually one person misinterpreting what another person says mm -hmm. or assigning them bad intent when they really didn't mean to, or communicating only via text. <laughs> As we all know, that's, mm -hmm. that's the source mm -hmm. of all trouble right there. Right. Yeah. Very cool. Um, now, why don't we talk a little bit about kind of turning the corner a little bit about how you engage with churches. So, um, you know, there may be church leaders that are listening in today, maybe an executive pastor, you know, the church has got, you know, 10 staff and they're, they're reaching that kind of breaking point where they feel like, you know, we need to move this beyond just uh, stuff I read online. I need to get somebody like Tiffany to help me with next steps. What does that typically look like? What's the kind of process that you end up engaging with uh, as you interact with churches? That's good. Um, we have, you know, several different things. We have one-time things that we do for churches, and then we also have, you know, regular basis things that we do on a monthly basis. But with most churches, what I really suggest to them, unless they're super small, like three to five staff, you know, if they've been there for a little bit, I say, hey, let's come in and do an HR audit. Let's do an audit. It takes two to four hours. Um, we could do it virtually because we work in all the states. And uh, let's see where you are at, because really what we do is we come in. We look top to bottom, left to right. We see, okay, where are you at? 
and then where you need to be. And then we come up with a gap analysis report that says, hey, these are the areas that you are have gaps in. And then we even number them and put them on level of priority. Because some things might be, it would be nice, but you're not going to get fined by the government if you don't do this. And other That's things true. are like, you should have done this yesterday. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you know, we do that. We give them a, a folder full of resources so that they can fill in those gaps. And um, at that point, we kind of talk with them, you know, once we do the HR audit and we kind of talk through with them. Okay, do you, you know, sometimes they're just like, great, fine. And they take it and run. But most of the time they want to engage us on a regular basis to come in and work hands-on with them or work hands-on with a admin or someone else that we can train up in these areas and just um, kind of work through these things and get them a solid foundation so that they are primed for growth and they're not just, you know, doing everything just as they go along band-aiding, band-aiding it. <laughs> mm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's cool. Now, are there areas, so this may be an unfair question, uh, but as a person who does a lot of consulting with churches, I know that there are often things uh, that I find myself as I'm engaging with churches that are like, it's like pretty common that it's like, man, we just keep hitting this same issue on that gap analysis in that audit phase. What are the things that, that, um, that typically you see, you know, coming up as an example will be the kind of thing that you're, uh, you know, that may be both those, Hey, there it's lacking and it's also urgent that, you know, we, it's, it's like the high priority, red, 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 Hey, we got to deal with this, uh, kind of issue. Got it. Um, you know, staff handbooks, obviously, we've already talked about. The other two issues that I find is employee paperwork and employee files, and as well, oh, yeah. the compensation, the way that they're doing the compensation, um, how much they're paying, how much they're not paying, you know, how they're dividing it out. Those are probably pay two. Pay equity issues, that yeah, kind of stuff? Yeah, yeah. Pay equity. You know, most churches don't have pay ranges for positions. So whoever squeaks right. the loudest gets the money sometimes. Or churches will go, well, this single 22-year-old doesn't need as much money as this guy oh, who's gosh. the single breadwinner for his family. Even, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it is super illegal and it's super sensitive now. Um, that's one of the things I talked about in the webinar I was telling you about that I did last month, which was, hey, we're in this new feminist movement and you know things that you could kind of get away with 15, 20 years ago, you can't anymore. And yeah. you know, then again, is it really Christ-like as well? So we just need to look through those things. Yeah, absolutely. Interesting. Uh, this is super fascinating. Uh, there's so much I'm sure we could dive in on. Um, but, uh, you know, I've really, uh, you know, I've, I really thank you for, you know, being here today. You've actually, we're going to provide a link to a, a great resource uh, that I want you to talk to us a little bit about. It's a, it's a toolkit. And when I saw this, I was blown away. I'm like, man, there is so much in here. You're giving away the farm. This is the kind of resource that I'm sure in other contexts people would pay I don't know, a couple hundred dollars for, uh, but you're giving away uh, just by giving your email address. So what what is this, uh, the church hiring toolkit? Tell me about that. No, absolutely. And we do not mind giving away the farm. Um, the church <laughs> hiring toolkit is basically everything an organization would need top to bottom to bring on a new employee. We, you know, I think I might change the name to in a box because really it's like, here it is all wrapped up in a neat little bow for you. It is a PDF document, but we also have support um, Word documents that people need and they're welcome to take take any piece of it and use it, um, recreate it on their own or whatever. It's got, you know, a job description template. It tells you where you can post, tells you what to ask in interviews as well as what not to ask. Um, it helps walk you through, do you need to even hire for this position? and gives you some things to think about. We offer new hires.
entire paperwork. We have offer letters. So just kind of the whole gamut there of what you will need as well as like 30, 60 day, 90 day kind of check-ins and onboarding checklists. Because usually, and the other thing I get is, is churches calling me going, okay, we need to hire an employee and we've never done this before. And um, so they started yesterday, (laughs) you know, or what (laughs) do we do? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And so, um, you know, I really just wanted to give a resource toolkit so that when they go, okay, we're ready to hire a new employee, let's just pull this up and, you know, um, we can take off running. Interesting. Yeah, there's a, a part of it that I love uh, that we were talking about earlier. I, there, there's a whole section on do not ask the following questions. And I, you know, I'm in that weird, uh, just because of my ministry background, you know, I've hired, I don't know, lots of people, dozens, I don't know, 50, 60 people over the years. I've done a lot of interviews, probably hundreds of people. And I got to say, friends, there was one of those things under the do not ask. I did not, I was not aware that I, you're not supposed to ask that question. <laughs> And so, uh, you know, there's the obvious ones. So even just that, and I, I want to pique your interest to be able to download it. And uh, so even if you're the kind of person that has done a bunch of this stuff, there is lots of help in this document so what's uh, the to question? really help you. So, <laughs> I, well, so I didn't. I didn't realize that uh, it's the whole area around kind of their past ar- um, arrest record that you oh, know. Yeah. Now I I've never actually asked anyone about that, but I, it wouldn't have dawned on me that like that would be a question not to ask. Like, um, I was like, Oh yeah, I guess, um, that's true. I, that makes sense. But, um, that stuck out to me. Cause I was like, Oh, as much as one of those things that reminded me as much as you think, you know, on this stuff, man, you can always learn more. And, um, <laughs> it's really easy you know, to step at it, step in it. Cause it just, it changes the way we change, you know, our socks sometimes the way the labor laws change. So yeah, the whole criminal history background checks, you can't even do it to your ready to extend an offer nowadays. Right. And then the other one that uh, we actually had in our, because we did, which actually I, I found was a good practice. We, we, when people applied for a role with us, we would not just say, hey, send us your resume. We also had an application. And so the, the, the point of that application was for us to, to get them to articulate some stuff up front before we even get to the interview. So like, mm. tell us about your faith background, that kind of thing. So we were, we were, and, and it also, there was like a bit of a weed out factor on that because if you're like, it's, you would get people, at least I found you would get people that would just like, they're clearly just blasting every organization yeah. in the world with their, <laughs> their resume and changing the name of the organization in the cover letter. Like it's like, you know, I'm like, I don't think this person's even interested. And so they, the application was actually helped some of that. But in there, one of the questions we asked was past pay history, uh, which oh, on this yeah. you know document, it says you can't do that. Um, and so, or that many states, that's illegal. Um, and so I was, again, surprised by that. Um, it was always great information to have, but I can understand why you probably <laughs> There's ways to find out some of that information, you know, sure. while asking things, you know, to ask people, you know, what do you need in a pay range, you know, for this position? And I do want to caveat just because we're saying this, um, any organization out there that is a religious nonprofit, 501c3 religious nonprofit, they can ask the spiritual question, the spiritual journey yep. question. Um, yep. You know, tell us about your spiritual journey. So that is perfectly acceptable. We're not saying don't ask anything, um, you know, in that realm, obviously, that is a very, very important piece to, uh, you know, religious organizations as they're hiring. Yeah, that's great. I know often on the salary thing, I would, uh, I, in my hiring, I like to get that out in the open in, in the first interview. Like, I'll yes. just say, hey, <laughs> this is the pay range for this role, because I've been burned too many times by like, we go down this whole big, long process. 
And then we get to the end of it and we're like, okay, well, this is the pay range. And it just doesn't work for the person, right? It's like, this isn't like this just, and I'm like, and, and then I feel terrible because I'm like, yeah, we're not. We're wasted not everybody's able, time. Yeah. Wasted your time, wasted my time. Like you're a great candidate. I feel bad because I'm like, I wish we could pay this person more. Uh, they feel bad because they're like, oh, I was really excited about that. So yeah, I just try to get that out in the open right up front. Hey, this is the pay range for that. That's good. Um, Churches you know. aren't good about that. They like to keep all no. their stuff secret, which is why I say at the very least in the first 10 minutes, ask them what is the minimum amount that they need or the pay range they're looking for, you know? I mean, if they're in the neighborhood, great. You know, obviously if you're paying 30000 and they're asking 70000 you're not even in the ballpark, probably not even in the same state. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and that's a whole, that is a bit of a pet peeve. I actually was in a conversation, oh, probably two weeks ago on that exact issue saying, hey, you know, we really should be posting, like it's, I think it's, I could be wrong, but in the marketplace, it's pretty standard practice to have the pay range even on the posting. Like, hey, this is what this is, what that's going to pay. Um, be, and I think that's just good information. I'm like, if anyone calls me up on the phone and says, I'm interested in applying on that role, what is the pay range? I, even if I don't know who the person is, I'm going to tell them what the pay range is because it's so it's funny to me that we hold that information back. I understand why we do that. Like I get that. I'm not naive to those issues, but um, it, there is a culture thing there that I think, you know, eventually is going to have to shift, but who knows? Well, this has been a great conversation. Um, if people want to get in touch with you and kind of engage with you, get to know more about you, uh, how can they do that, Tiffany? Um, you can go onto our website, hrministrysolutions.com, and there's buttons that you can schedule a call directly with me. There's there's email that you can email me. Um, you can look over some of the things we have. We are kind of making our website right now a little bit more robust, so they're all missing pieces right now, but we're trying to uh, make it more robust. But one of the other pieces, too, is we've just uploaded our webinars. So we have a page that has several of our webinars for free that you can just go and watch. And, you know, we try to make our webinars fairly short, 25, 30 minutes max. And, you know, I highly encourage go get free information. Free is a very good price. So <laughs> free is a great price. Well, friends, I would encourage you to reach out to Tiffany. I know she can help your church. Uh, you know, this is one of those areas when I get around uh, executive pastors, particularly uh, that there are, you know, there's a high level of anxiety and a high level of like, oh, we need to make sure we do this this right, particularly in growing churches because we're adding people so quickly and uh, we want to make sure we step carefully through these issues. So I would encourage you, uh, you know, to reach out to Tiffany. So thanks so much for being on the show today. Absolutely. Thank you for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Don't be shy. We'd love to connect. Check out Unseminary Inbox. You can sign up at unseminary.com and we'll send you helpful training resources every week. Plus, you'll gain immediate access to our exclusive members area with tons of resources you can use. Connect with Rich on Twitter at Rich Birch or through email rich at unseminary.com Don't forget to check out the show notes for this episode at unseminary.com It includes links to what we talked about today and more. Leave a comment. We'd love to hear from you. Did you enjoy today's episode? Drop by iTunes and leave a review. Thanks again for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Join us next week when we'll learn more stuff we wish they taught in seminary.